Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, On today's show, we're going to interview one of our attorneys back east who's actively engaged in fighting legislation on a state level that will bring pornography into the public schools and leave nothing uh, with regards to school districts, powers, to combat it, to contest it. You're definitely going to want to hear what's happening because what's happening in this particular state back east could be happening to your state next. So you're definitely going to want to stay around to listen to this very interesting report and what Pacific Justice Institute is specifically doing about it to contest it. Uh, But first, I'd like to bring on our attorney who specializes in legislative counsel, uh, Janice Laura. Janice, thank you for joining us on the program. Oh, thanks for having me, Brad. Yeah, it's great to have you on because you're so actively involved in working with state legislators across the country on behalf of Pacific Justice Institute's uh, C4 to to really have an impact and help them with, on pass the good bills and fight the bad bills. And uh, I know we're going to talk about an interesting bad bill uh, coming out of a, a state back east in the second half of the show. Uh, so, uh, but I know you've got other case matters and uh, issues that you're dealing with on a state level. On a positive, and I always like to start on a positive if we can, mm-hmm. I understand that there is a resolution pending in Idaho uh, dealing with yeah. that will celebrate the traditional family values mm-hmm. month. Uh, the resolution is HCR20. Uh, what, uh, what, what is this? Well, as you said, last week, we um, are very happy that the the resolution was introduced. Um, It was co-authored and has been supported by PJI, and it's to establish a traditional family values month in Idaho. And under the resolution, the time frame between Mother's Day and Father's Day, so that kind of five-week period, would be time to celebrate uh, traditional families consisting of biological uh, female mothers and biological male fathers, as well as children, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and other extended family. Yeah, this seems and, to make oh, a this lot is of... the first of its kind in the U.S., too. It'll be the first of its kind. So yeah. if this passes in Idaho, we may see other red states, freedom-loving states pass it as well. I don't expect, oh, it, to, sure. I don't expect it to pass in California anytime soon, uh, Maybe after a big earthquake or something, I don't know. We'll we'll see <laughs> see uh, what what God's got in store for California and, and Oregon and Washington down the road. But um, I do I am encouraged when I see states like Idaho step forward and lead the nation in a very positive way regarding uh, this kind of a, of a resolution. Now, why are traditional families so important? It seems like our society today is saying, "Oh, that's bigoted." If you t- mention any value about traditional family values, any kind of positive thing, that means you're, you're, you're bigoted. But if you mention and talk up uh, other uh, sexual relationships and, and, uh, and quote-unquote family structures, oh, then you're, you're a hero, you're politically correct, you're doing a great thing. 
Um, so let's start, sort of set the record straight. Why are traditional families so important to America? Well, uh, obviously, traditional families were designed by God. There's a, they're biblical in nature. And th- really, they've been the foundation of society since the beginning of time, um, beginning of creation. They oh. operate as our sense of security and really like a, a first line of defense. Um, instead of having governments take care of, of us, we have our families that um, we have formed strong bonds with, and that's who um, provides our safety and our security. Now, I, I understand and, that, that you know, families, we say traditional families, we're talking about an institution, uh, right, uh, Janice, that's been in- institutionalized and utilized throughout the world, even in non-Christian or Jewish cultures and civilizations, I mean, it seems like it works. I mean, I think that's why civilizations survive or not survive historically is because of the, the institution of the family. Uh, what about, uh, what about uh, you know, research? What does that bring to the table regarding? Yeah, uh, well, the research really um, bears this out of how having a strong traditional family is good for society and good for children. Um, Children raised in traditional families are more likely to lead successful lives and have more stability than children who do not. And children um, who come from traditional families have less drug addiction, lower instances of criminal activities, um, higher academic achievement, less mental illness, less fewer teenage pregnancies. Uh, Really by any measure you can look at um, having a two family parent household is much better for children than not. Yeah, it makes total sense. I also understand it has a a lower suicide rate as well. Children that have a mom and a dad versus some other kind of relationship or uh, living situation. Uh, Children are less likely to kill themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. That's very significant. I know there's a University of Texas uh, study that uh, talked about that. Um, but why is it, why do you think it's important? So we see it's valuable. Why is it important for our society to celebrate the traditional family? Right. Well, I think like you mentioned earlier is that the rate at which traditional families are, um, in society, uh, are viewed in society is declining at a rather rapid rate. Um, in the 1960s, we had approximately um, 77% of children were born to two-parent households and where both where the parents were married. And today, it is only about 17, 17.8%. Um, again, in the 70s, you had only about 5% of children born out of wedlock. Today, it's upwards of 40%. Whoa. Okay. I didn't know the stats were that bad. Uh, I knew they were going in the wrong direction. Uh, seems like government wants to punish traditional families, partly through their tax uh, policies. So if people get married, generally speaking, if both people are working and they get married, they're going to pay more in taxes. The government actually punishes traditional marriage. You know, if they could just simply be neutral to a traditional marriage, that, that, that might be nice. But they actually punish traditional marriage um, which I think is is very problematic. Uh, you know, when we're talking about these stats again, I, I you, you, you know, so in 1960s, you know, more than three fourths of all children uh, lived with a mom and a dad who were married. Now, mm-hmm. only 17.8 percent, less than one in five, live yeah. in a traditional nuclear family with a mom and a dad. Only one in mm-hmm. five. 
we're that degraded as a society. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's and, um, uh, that's tragic. That's uh, that's absolutely tragic. Has one of the highest levels. Um, our country has one of the highest levels of children not living with both um, biological parents as well. Yeah, I, I know in the black community that they particularly have a very, very high percentage born out of wedlock. Uh, but mm-hmm. my understanding is, it's not just the the black community, African Americans in the United States right. that have like you know ninety percent born out of wedlock. It's also now the the stats are for other ethnic groups, the Caucasians, uh, mm-hmm. the Asians, uh, they're, they're uh, Latinos are all increasing in the number and percentage of kids being born out of wedlock. So it's it's not just apparently it's not just a a cultural thing and an ethnic thing, it's now really impacting and affecting to varying degrees, but impacting uh, all cultural groups across the country, apparently, which is uh, very, very uh, concerning. I understand. uh, I mean, this is, this legislation is, uh, would help um, ensure that traditional family roles and values are both celebrated and encouraged to provide this kind of nurturing for the uh, traditional family and these kind of environments. So it seems like it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a positive thing. Very positive. And we're encouraging um, just businesses, schools, communities to have their own kind of celebrations, whether that's, um, you know, parades or just days recognizing um, traditional families. Yeah, I different know. ways to get involved. Yeah, yeah, I know the LGBT community, community is very uh, in mm-hmm. your face, very belligerent. Uh, you know, in our community where I live, conservative community, uh, they put up posters. You know, gay pride uh, event mm-hmm. in a park, and they they gave it to businesses. Businesses would just post them in, thinking, "Oh, I guess this is what we're supposed to do." Um, right. You know, and you know, I went around and talked to those businesses. I said, "You know what?" I want to know, is, is this what you're in favor of? Are you, are you supporting mm-hmm. transgender uh, kids getting their lives messed up and committing suicide before the age of 30? Is that what I mean? Is this what you stand for? Because if it is, then I, 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 I'm going to do business elsewhere because mm-hmm. I don't support that. I have too much love and compassion for children to promote anything that's going to mess up their lives and, and lead to their early death before uh, even leukemia does for children. And they go, well, no, I, I, I just thought I was supposed to post it. I, I, I really right. wasn't thinking. And they tore, they tore them down. They tore them down. Uh, they took them out of their windows. All it takes, I think, Janice, is for people to realize not to be silent. Mm-hmm. Just to speak up. Don't be mean and scream and use cuss words. We don't do that. That's, that's, what, that's what the other radical left does, to try to intimidate. Mm-hmm. They'll scream, threaten, uh, use a lot of four-letter words. Um, we don't do that. Lovingly, with a smile, just say, hey, I just want you to know I respect your right to, to believe and support what you want to support. But I, in good conscience, can't support a business that is, is giving resources in, in any way to support these cruel, inhumane, masochistic things that are taking place to children, which is what mm-hmm. this organization, which is what LGBTQ uh, stands for. So uh, I think people need to, to not be silent. Businesses, churches, schools, communities um, should all be encouraged to promote this. This is positive. It doesn't make sense that, yeah. that uh, the LGBTQ in the area of tolerance say, oh, you can, you can support uh, what we do to each other and what we do in our relationships, but uh, you can't in any way recognize and support that right. which is the bedrock of a healthy society that everyone benefits from 
irrespective of their cultural, religious backgrounds. Uh, to me, this is, is really basic. It's, it's, uh, it's very fundamental. Janice, thank you so much for being on this program and the work that you do as the Legislative Council for Pacific Justice Institute, working to mobilize our offices, uh, 36 offices in states all across the country, to testify in support of legislation like, like this and to make a real difference, not just in the courts, but also upstream with regards to legislation. So keep up the great work. Okay, thank you, Brad. Thank you so much. Did you know that PJI's Church Finds Its Voice initiative is a huge success and coming alongside pastors to encourage them to get all their congregants registered to vote and then to vote biblically in every election for candidates that share the Christian worldview and commit to serve their constituents with that mindset. We communicate regularly with over 3,000 pastors, and we do it all free of charge. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Welcome back. I'd now like to bring on to the program... Uh, PJI attorney Karen White. Uh, Karen, welcome to the program. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hey, I'm doing just great. Uh, Karen, you've done a great job as a part of our team at PJI. Uh, you're right there on the border between Trenton, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. In fact, I'm not sure exactly which side you're on because I know you are engaged in both states on uh, dealing with issues in both states. Uh, you also, by the way, just did a fantastic job. I want to give you double kudos for the work that you did to help so many men and women in our military and armed forces who are dealing and struggling with the whole issue of, you know, you know, how do they not have to take this this vaccine, this jab, and not be booted out and discharged? Uh, you did a, an incredible work helping countless numbers, and uh, I want to just recognize you right up off the bat for that great work that you did. Well, thank you. And um, let's take a look at some serious challenges that are facing the state of New Jersey. So now I just, I told everyone it's a state back east, and that is the state we're talking about, New Jersey. Uh, apparently they've proposed recently a new legislation called the, the Freedom to Read Act. Seems like this would be, you know, a positive, a good thing, freedom to read. Who, who could be opposed to the freedom to read. What's the real truth? The real truth is the title of the bill is uh, exceedingly misleading. Uh, freedom to read is the antithesis of freedom. Okay. My understanding is it promotes things that aren't even necessarily reading. Um, pornography, perverted materials that would otherwise be illegal. Um, let's, let's go through and talk about some of the highlights of this uh, of this bill, I understand that what it really does is it completely uh, removes local control of school uh, libraries from locally elected school board members. Uh, who gets the who gets the authority when it comes to what's in a in a library and what's being made available to kids if it's not the the school board um, and the in the community and this and the uh, and the the local school library? I mean, who's Who's uh, making the new, these new dictates under this new law? What this new law does, Brad, is it, it removes complete control from the 
locally elected school board to decide what is in the school library. What Trenton and what our state legislators are trying to do with this bill is to say that the only person in a school that can decide what's in the school library is the school librarian. And that school librarian has sole discretion to decide what books, what materials, uh, what uh, items will be available to students. In addition, that school librarian has complete control and decision-making power as to what age appropriate certain books and materials will be. It completely removes this decision from the Board of Education. What about parents? Parents don't have any say because they're not a part of the equation. There's no parental review committee. Uh, and they're not listening to the people that the parents voted for and elected to the school board. So it looks like parents have zero say and influence over the kind of garbage this, this uh, activist, quote-unquote, librarian specialist is, is going to bring into the, the school library. I'm, I'm, I'm not overstating this, am I? No, Brad, you're not, because it actually goes even further, and it says if a parent or community member complains or expresses uh, disagreement with what's in the library, they can be accused of harassment, and that the librarian has a right to sue that parent community member, complainer, uh, in, in either civil court uh, alleging uh, damage to their reputation and um, uh, libel and slander. It really is a, a bill that seeks to completely chill and, uh, and, and intimidate parents from being involved in the educational process. It, it basically says to parents, don't even think about complaining, because if you do, we're going to find you guilty of harassment. And if you're not guilty of a criminal charge, you're going to be found liable and you're going to have to pay money. Yeah. Uh, this reminds me of some other court proceedings taking place right now in our country uh, where the, the, you know, the courts are being used uh, for tyrannical purposes to silence, to intimidate, to destroy, uh, as opposed to providing equal treatment, equal justice under the law. Instead, they're, they're, they're using the law to be tyrannical and silence and oppress parents who mm -hmm. simply want to express their concern or even their, even their outrage regarding material that would be otherwise deemed to be you know, pornographic potentially. Um, I, I mean, this, is, this is, is really, really disturbing. The media, let's talk about this librarian some, okay? This... Uh, this librarian is supposed to be a library uh, media specialist. Is that right? And they, they, they yes. have the sole authority to mm -hmm. determine whatever materials are, quote, appropriate at whatever grade level or age, period. And they have total immunity. So if they bring in material that is otherwise pornographic and anyone else providing it to a child would be put behind bars for many years... They could provide that same material to a child of, of any age, at any grade, um, and there's no, there's no possibility for criminal prosecution. This is, is it's sick. It's, it's, it's sick. Absolutely, it's absolutely evil, Brad. And to give a, a, an individual uh, with the title library media specialist complete civil and criminal immunity for anything that they do in a public school library is so far out of the realm of reasonableness. It's, it's so outrageous 
um, it, 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 it's almost shocking. This was started because parents in North Jersey complained about the uh, materials in a library. That librarian then sued those parents and those parents filed a counterclaim and that's currently pending. Uh, PJI and uh, we are monitoring that um, litigation and we're providing whatever support we can. We've been in touch with some of the parties in that matter. And that's why the legislature is doing this. There's liberal legislators in the Senate and in the Assembly here in New Jersey who think that they can make a law to say, you have to just take it. We decide what's appropriate in your libraries. Parents, be quiet, sit down, and accept it. And if you don't, we're going to find you guilty of harassment or we're going to charge you with discrimination. And we need to, we need to stop that, Brad. We need to tell them, no, we will not uh, accept this type of bill in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, I'm really concerned about this bill, not just for New Jersey, but for other states, particularly blue states, um, mm-hmm. I could see California, Oregon, Washington on the West Coast, uh, the northeastern states, uh, New York, uh, and you know the others. I I could see them grabbing onto this because the left that controls their legislatures are totally beholden to the porn industry, to the uh, the, the the pornographic radical LGBTQ agenda. This is what mm-hmm. they want to put into the schools. Uh, this is what they, you know, they, they stand for. They, we're talking about material that would otherwise be obscene and criminal to be given to a child. Porn, mm-hmm. outright porn, obscene material being legally given to a child. And it's up to the one librarian who's brought in to do this work. This legis- the uh, school board is ignored, has no power. Uh, parents have no power. Uh, this is uh, very, very concerning. And I understand that that uh, this, if this bill passes, this uh, library media specialist, in the name of quote diversity, can curate library materials that show less than completely covered human sex organs, uh, mm-hmm. pubic regions, or even buttocks, all in violation. Yeah. So, th- so they're going to be they're, they're going to be a part of easily part of the LGBTQ agenda is what's coming in to every single school library. We're talking about elementary school as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, We're we're talking uh, kindergarten, first and second grade, where the public schools have attempted to uh, have library materials which which graphically show sexual activity uh, of a homosexual nature. um, And that is what the parents are opposing. And when the parents have spoken up in New Jersey, this is the government's response. Don't listen to the parents. Don't hear their concerns. Don't let them talk to their elected officials. Board of Education members in New Jersey are elected. Parents have a right to say to those BOE members, we don't like what you're doing in our school. We want local control in in our school. And that's what New Jersey is supposed to be, local control. That's why we have over 800 school districts and we have Uh, nearly 800 boards of education. Each one is supposed to determine for that local community what is appropriate, what is acceptable, what the community wants. And instead of giving these boards local control, the state has decided, under the influence of the American Library Association and the New Jersey Library Association, both of whom are extremely liberal organizations, promoting um, agendas that are contrary to uh, a biblical worldview, Uh, Under that influence, the state is saying, no, 
you can't decide at the local level. We don't want the small towns of New Jersey deciding what's right for them. We're going to tell you from Trenton what's right for your child, and you have to accept it. Yeah, and Trenton is the state capital of New Jersey. So, um, yes. yeah, that's, that's what they're doing. They're basically on a state level trying to dictate and control. I know in California they passed legislation that basically says to the school boards throughout the state of California, oh, by the way, uh, when it comes to curriculum, uh, when it comes to material going, uh, going into your libraries, we, the state, will dictate. You school boards, you parents, you don't have uh, the right with regards to, to, uh, to do that. Uh, it's, it doesn't go as far on the outright open uh, protection of porn, you know, being crammed down the minds of, of, our, of our little children the same way this one in New Jersey does. Uh, but we, it still has uh, that potential capacity. Very, it's very, very disturbing. Now, Karen, thank you so much for the work that you're doing there mm -hmm. in New Jersey and also the great work you're doing in Pennsylvania. You've got a busy office there, and we're just so glad to have someone like you, uh, skilled and talented. So keep up the great work. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.